see you there. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we are broadcasting once again from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention that is underway in Kansas City, Missouri. Going to give you a little bit of a hint. You might hear Clay Patton in the background. He and I are sitting side by side at the convention. He's going to be talking some markets on our stations here in just a little bit. So if you hear his voice, that would be why. Lots of things to talk about in this market trade today. Still continuing with the whole thing going on between Ukraine and Russia and Poland. I think that's kind of been an interesting uh, that has continued to develop over the last 24 hours. Add to it, we'll take a look at what's going on in the spring. Spread-wise, weather-wise in South America, there's a lot to focus on, even though it's been kind of a quieter type of trade as we get ready to head next week into a holiday-shortened week. Sam Hudson joins us. He is with Corn Belt Marketing. And Sam, as we take a look at the markets, we do have to start out first. There's been a lot of Twitter chatter yet today about what's been going on between Russia, Ukraine, and Poland and how that played a big role in the markets yesterday. Not so much, though, today. It, that's right. Well, and it is, but the reverse effect. And, 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 you know, really before we get to all of that, I mean, it's kind of reversing and figure out how we even get here. You got over harvest progress really far along, uh, pretty much, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes. We got corn exports that are pretty poor. Just got through a USDA report, anything new from a supply side standpoint. Uh, so those cuts are behind us now, and that really leaves us subject to money flow, these geopolitical headlines, and, and any demand headbed, you know, updates that we get. Saw a significant export sale this morning, but uh, yeah, yesterday we saw a flash in the pan rally led by the wheat market. Had beans up pretty strong even, and corn got in the mix as well. Uh, on thoughts that the, you know, those missiles that landed in Poland and killed a couple civilians were from Russia, uh, really stemming from the Ukrainian president's reaction to it and calling, you know, on NATO forces to, to you know, potentially even strike back. Uh, turns out it was actually from Ukraine. And so now those, uh, you know, you know, it's tempered a little bit here this morning and, and still suggesting that we could still see the grain corridor, uh, you know, move forward here as we enter the winter months. Well, that's been kind of some exciting news there that, they, you know, the 19th has just been this looming day uh, that we've been looking at in the market trade and the what ifs. And it sounds like we should be able to move forward. It, it sounds like it, and I would fully expect that, if only just so it can continue to be used as a hot-button item uh, or a threat or, or something down the road here. We've continued to see disruptions along the way, and I think that's the thing to keep in mind, is even though there is an agreement uh, you know, potentially at hand here and conflict could come to a, you know, a little bit of a pause or a, you know, uh, you know, a simmering down here as we get into the winter months, but it's not necessarily over with yet, uh, and you know, it's left to be seen how that's going to come to a conclusion. Well, good old Mexico and uh, their thoughts of GMO corn continue to make the market trade. But then today they were returning to the market, what, right around 1.24 million metric tons of old crop and another yeah, 624,000 plus of new. Yes, yeah. So 1.8 plus uh, total there. And, and, you know, I think it's it's important to see those sales. Now, kind of a run-in-the-mill uh, type of action from them. But as you mentioned, with the rhetoric we've seen about the anti-GMO and so forth, I think it's important for sentiment moving forward. Um, but our problem here still, you know, for the corn market into the winter months is, is going to be the fact that barge freight's so elevated. Uh, and we're just really not that competitive at the Gulf. Uh, and, and, and our domestic demand is, uh, is gobbling up any would-be, uh, you know, bushels that would move down there. What are we looking at basis-wise right now across um, not only your neck of the woods, but into the Western Corn Belt? Well, a few of the things, you know, the catch market is certainly, uh, you know, well-adjusted. When you look out west, you're continuing to see 
uh, you know, basis levels anywhere from 60 to a dollar plus over into some of the feed yards and ethanol plants out there. Uh, as you move further east uh, and even to the north, you're, you're seeing uh, cash prices, uh, you know, here on the river, uh, central Illinois, around option to, to 20 over. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some bids getting pushed here as we get into the Thanksgiving holiday, kind of a, you know, seasonal uh, action there, especially as harvest wraps up here and, and farmer sell rates really come to, uh, uh, you know, to a decline. But really, no one's needing money out here. And so the basis is going to have to do a little bit of the heavy lifting. Spreads are doing some of the lifting. You've seen uh, the East March corn spread, uh, you know, rally in a pretty decent way here this week. And that's something to keep in mind as we go into, uh, as I mentioned, option expiration and first notice day at the end of the month here could create some, uh, you know, market mechanic moves that, uh, you know, could help a guy along in his uh, merchandising moves. Well, Sam, you brought up uh, the, the the river and it makes me think of our to our listeners and folks in Wisconsin and Minnesota. There's still a lot of concerns about what's going to happen on this Mississippi. Now we've added the cold weather into it as well. It just really becomes more of a barge issue. Yeah, and that's, you know, all on all fronts, not only moving grain, but fertilizer, you know, et cetera. You know, so the list goes on and on. At this point, it looks like we're not going to really see any major reprieve until we get into to spring. I mean, even if we see snowstorms, uh, you're not going to see water flow through the profile and, and get downstream quite as easily. And so I think this is just going to be a new normal we're going to have to be dealing with for, you know, foreseeable future. And that's going to ultimately lead to exports. I think we'll see that in the December, but the market's well aware of it. And I think we'll potentially have baked it in by the time we actually see that happen. You're definitely a mind reader. I was going to ask you what that long-term effects were going to be. And is it really maybe knocking us out, that is, of some market opportunities? Uh, you know, it certainly is for now. You know, I think this is providing a bit of a windfall for the ethanol and the feed guys, though, because it does give them a little bit of more of an opportunity. They're still having to bid up to get it, but uh, not having to compete with the river gives them, uh, you know, even even more opportunity. And so uh, we have seen the dollar crack back here in a pretty good way of late, and that'll become a little bit more influential as we get into South American harvest. But as it sits today, we just either have to find a price where we want to export corn, um, and I don't think the market really wants to. I think that's the problem. So I think you're going to continue to see some support. It's possible we could dive down into the 630 area if we have to see some liquidation in this market with funds still long uh, in a low-volume time frame. But if that happens sooner than later, I would argue that the bulls would get Christmas. Well, it is nice to see we've got uh, countries like Mexico, and I cannot think if it was Iran or Iraq that was doing some purchases as well from the U.S., yeah, we saw Iraq purchase some wheat, you know, and we'll continue to see a little bit of business uh, in, in the wheat market on the fringes. And, you know, the biggest concern here domestically would be our, you know, the drought in the plains and, and just the conditions of the winter wheat crop. But it's the same story as it always has been. You know, our stocks usage are still you know, around 30 percent, and our crop really doesn't matter unless the rest of the world has to come after our carryout, and, and that hasn't really happened yet. All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue here with the Fontenelle Final Bell as we broadcast from Kansas City, Missouri. We're going to take a look at um, what's going on in South America. The weather at this point does look okay. We'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with the spreads, the rally we've seen in the trade. More is coming up. It is the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Eric Wasinius, part of the three-man crew for Peterson Livestock based in Oxford, Nebraska. So, Eric, you used to be a district Fontenelle now as dealer. Tell us what makes Fontenelle stand out above other local seed brands. I think a lot of it is for what really makes Fontenelle stand out is our product lineup. Dealing with bear and what we get from a genetic lineup. In my area, it's a lot. With soybeans specifically, we've got a little big issue with iron deficiency chlorosis Um, and we've got several different beans differently well going up and down the hills Um, we run into in Furnace and Arlen County so it's it's really nice to have the depth of product selection that we have 
For more on product selection, you can contact Eric Wasenius of Peterson Livestock based out of Oxford, Nebraska, or contact your local Fontenelle dealer or go to Fontenelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Little Field. You can hear, of course, in the background, our very own Clay Patton as he's doing markets next to me at the NAFB meeting in Kansas City, Missouri. Sam Hudson continues to join us. He is with Corn Belt Marketing. So let's head south of the border to what we're seeing in South America. Still a mixed bag of weather for so many. And I saw some drought concerns, especially in areas of Chile, uh, seeing some photos there. So some getting rain, some not. Kind of sounds like a same story, different page for what we dealt with here in the U.S. Yeah, for the most part, and it's still a little early to get too wound up, uh, you know, one way or the other, but we came into the, this crop cycle in South America with a pretty dry Argentina, uh, parts of Uruguay. As you get into Brazil, things are looking a little bit better, but quite honestly, right now, the forecast looks like they're going to provide a little bit of relief here as we get into uh, the end of November, and that's going to provide, uh, you know, good soil moisture for plantings in Argentina to really pick up. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of work done as we get into the month of December in that region. And as we get into to the new year, you'll you'll shift that uh, progress up into Brazil. Uh, and, and the markets, you know, again, we're very well aware we're going to see some acreage, uh, you know, expansions there. And I think the bean market is going to be very well in tune to it and how we progress. Well, I hear a lot of chatter going on in the background for you as well as as farmers are, are moving grains. Having said that, where are we at? Are we seeing more bin storage or are they bringing them to the elevators? It, you know, we, we've really been uh, you know, encouraging customers to take it at the end of the end of the year here. Uh, at the end of the day, January, February, March typically suffices for trucking needs. And if we can get ahead of that, uh, you know, all, all the better. Uh, market, uh, you know, inversion pretty well coming out in most places. And at this point, uh, you know, if the market rallies in a considerable way, it's probably going to be because, uh, you know, weather-driven situation in South America, in which case it's going to be trying to shut demand off. So I think it's a point to look at taking advantage of basis, at least in the end of the year here, uh, and then taking any uh, price spikes as an opportunity to go ahead and, and sell those inventories. What do you got for uh, weather concerns when it comes to, to our winter wheat crop at this point? You know, again, it's just dry, you know, there again. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, going into dormancy here. Uh, it looks like we were even in the short term going to see some really, you know, cold temps warm back up and then maybe freeze it off again. So it's the first death for the wheat crop, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, you know, we set the bar pretty low coming into this thing with pretty historic initial ratings. Uh, and I think we'll pretty, uh, pretty well expect to see that uh, as we come out of spring. All right, let's jump over to the livestock side of the trade because we did see some positive. Nice to have some green on the screen. Did cattle take advantage of the drop in the grains today? Yeah, well, it looks like these back months are, are trying to post support, and that's the biggest thing I think you look for at this point. We've seen a cash market on the front end go a little bit quiet as we go into the holiday time frame, uh, and still some economic concerns here as rates have, have risen and some concern about what they'll do in the future. So, uh, you know, I think you're going to see a choppy market there. I think it does lend some support to the feeder cattle market if this corn market can stay down and those back months stay up. At the end of the day, herd liquidation continues, and we're going to have to wait till next June before we get grass you know, into the mix again, and by then we'll have an idea of what our carryout in the corn side will look like. Is cash going to be able to hold steady, though, or are we going to see maybe a little boost for them ahead of a report this week? You know, I think it's going to stay strong, but, you know, I just don't see a ton of movement in the short term either way. I think as you get into the end of the year, you could see a little bit more enthusiasm. Uh, the February contract is trying to hold here at support, uh, you know, around the 200-day moving average. If it can do that, uh, you know, then I think, uh, I think we could see a decent rally back up into, uh, you know, the upper 150s as we get uh, into the end of the year. What are your thoughts and, and are there any concerns about lower pork cutout values? Um, you know, it's just been kind of slow. I, I think what we really have to turn our focus to is, is uh, you know, this, this uh, you know, COVID, uh, you know, 
situation here in China? Are they going to fully open? What's their demand going to look like? Uh, is their economy going to continue to you know support the idea that we'll look at work exports? And, and also, what are they going to be looking at uh, you know for expansion, uh, you know, and reinvigoration of their own hog herd uh, during that recovery? So I still think some of that's ahead of us and could provide a bit of a windfall. But at the same time, we have to look at what's coming here over the next 18 to 24 months in terms of moderation. What are some things, Sam, that you're having conversations with with your clients, whether it's grain or livestock, that they need to focus on for these last couple of weeks of 2022? And like I said, typically, you know, seasonally, this is the time frame to be looking at those merchandising moves. Um, you know, if you've got grain in open storage that maybe has a deadline on it here for December 1st or the end of the year, uh, might be a good opportunity to take advantage of that uh, you know, while these basis values are around. You don't know what we're going to have come February, March, and when the market's calling for it, it's a good idea to, to, to reward it. Is there any feed shortage concerns that we need to be kind of keeping an eye on or just the higher prices in general that could affect this cattle market into the beginning of the new year? You know, it's just higher prices in general. The market got so, so caught off guard. You know, all this started with the you know, war in Ukraine last year. The market rallied so quick, it just kind of caught people in headlights. And then, you know, we caught a little bit of a break, a little bit of a moderation, and then it just didn't rain for another three or four months out west. And so... Uh, it really caught people on their heels. They're going to really be, you know, hand to mouth here on the, on the corn market until we get to at least June, July of next year. Um, and really, it's going to be next harvest, I think, potentially before you're really going to see any major relief. And by then, uh, you know, who knows where the live cattle market will be and where, you know, economics of everything will be. All right. Sounds good, Sam. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. All right, Sam Hudson has been joining us today as we broadcast from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention taking place in Kansas, Missouri. We always want to remind folks, though, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss that might not be suitable for all investors. You can check this out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com, wherever you subscribe. And just a reminder, it's brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network. 880 KRVN, 106.9 Carney and 98.5.